It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jay. Millie's Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast Here on the Lockdown Podcast Network Thank you for making us part of your daily routine Although not really daily this week Let me just start off by saying I'm sorry there was no Monday podcast It was my fault Yeah, it was J. King's fault uh, it was entirely my fault. We were supposed to record after the World Series game, and I fell asleep. Uh, I would say more passed out. Well, <laughs> I wasn't drinking, though. I just passed out. You just passed out. Yeah. Well, then you should say fell asleep, because pe- passed out implies that you were drinking. But I feel like falling asleep implies that you meant to do it. Passed out is the involuntary act. Okay. Whatever it was, <laughs> it, Jay, Jay's taking the the blame, but I was also moving. This is my first time my my first day back in Boston full time had been in New York. We're for together, a while. guys. What's we're that? we're in the same room. Yeah. So we're um We're in my bedroom. Yeah. This is this is exciting to be podcasting in the same place. We're actually able to like look and talk to each other, which we've only been able to do like in Las Vegas. Which sucks for me. I gotta see his mug. Yeah, I know. I know. But now I'm back. The move is done. All my equipment is here. I, I found everything. There's no crazy uh sporting event other than the Patriots that uh, will keep us from recording. But it's early enough. We're, we're, we'll release this super early. So it sort of counts as a Monday podcast. It's like a Monday-Tuesday podcast. Anyway, we're the Rain of Jays. John Corrales, J. King, here to talk about that Pistons game and the kind of the wildness of that Pistons game that Kyrie could score three points and Tatum can score five and Horford could score four. And the Celtics would just roll through that entire game with no problem. We also have an injury to Daniel Tice to talk about. Uh, Kyrie with some cool comments. Uh, Aaron Baines is back, so let's just let's just start with Kyrie because I think that that uh, that performance. I didn't watch that performance and think, oh boy, Kyrie was like struggling or anything. Like he just was. You that to use the uh, the the cliche, do giving the game what it, what it needed. That, that's exactly what he did, and he was distributing. He was really controlling the game. He just didn't score, which that, and that's just odd for Kyrie. I thought he, he actually played really well. Uh, he was getting into the paint. He was breaking down the defense. He was kicking out to others. He was a big reason why they got so many open three-pointers like they did, and that's what they need from him. That's that's going to be how how best he can maximize his contributions to this team. And this team hasn't been getting to the paint, hasn't been driving to the hoop enough, hasn't been breaking down the defense like it should. And Kyrie's a guy who can do that. And when he does that to set up his teammates, it changes things for them. And we saw that against the Pistons. He he obviously he's not gonna score three points very often. No. But the fact that he did 
and still was a positive, I thought, to them, goes to show that he, he can make an impact for this team in different ways than just putting the ball through the basket. Here's the one thing I wonder, because it's just not it's not typical. It's not typical of a guy who's going into a max contract, uh, who is going to be a highly sought-after free agent, who's a star player, all of that, to just sit back. And I don't know if you have the quote in front of you, but the uh, where he said that he wanted to be cool. Uh, I thought that was an awesome quote. Go ahead. I was talking to a few of my teammates about this, but my quote for this year is just be cool. I really just have to stay cool because if I start bucking and getting back into the old habits of what I'm used to, and the clear realization is that this is not what I'm used to. So going from being a high points per game scorer and being stat dominated and then coming to this type of environment where the best thing for us is to care about the team and it's not going to be everyone's night every single night. And then he goes talk about how he'll be ready when he's needed down the stretch. Like I said, it's a learning experience for me dealing with the expectations, with what the expectations usually are for myself. Even with my family, like everyone's used to me scoring this amount of points or doing this at a certain standard. And so am I. But at the same time, the importance is us winning games and getting to the finals. So that's where it is. I don't know that a guy who isn't already confident that he's going to sign with this with this team, I don't think that he has that mindset. I think that whole thing of the Celtics clearly want him back, he wants to be here, all of that. Now he can be free to do these things without people kind of questioning anything. When, when you drop three points, no one's going to sit there and be like, Oh, why why only three points? Why isn't he doing Kyrie things? So I feel like there's a there's a comfort level with Kyrie saying, I know I want to be back here. Uh, and the team obviously wants him back and he feels good about getting that guaranteed max contract that they're not going to come back and say, Oh, well, you didn't, you know, you didn't uh perform uh, you don't have these averages anymore. He's not care he doesn't care about the averages. He's just caring about doing what he needs to do to get that ring. Like Getting that championship is – I'm making it sound like he's like so focused on the, on the championship and, and making him sound really, really good. But at the same time, getting that championship is the thing that's most important to, to him getting that goal more so than scoring 30 points a game. Yeah, I don't think money is an issue. He's done enough in his career. He's scored enough in the – I think he's averaged 29 points per game in the finals. He's going to get max contract offers from – probably the Celtics and a number of other teams with salary cap space. He shouldn't be concerned about that at all. I think it's mature of him to have the focus that he's had this year and to kind of understand that he needs to readjust sort of how he judges his impact on a game. Before with him, it's always been like Kyrie scores and Kyrie gets buckets and Kyrie's an isolation god. And now that's not enough. It's not enough because the Celtics need more from him. It's not enough because they have a lot of other options. And I think it's interesting that he sees that. And I, I think he actually really likes the challenge of it. If you talk to people who know him well, they think he can sometimes get bored with basketball. They, they think that that's why he goes out and practices crazy shots, crazy finishes, and why sometimes like he'll go to the hoop and try some extra shit just because. <laughs> and But the challenge of fitting into this roster – and kind of impacting things in a new way, I think he really likes that. And I, I think I think there will be tests for him along the way. I think, you know, if he's regularly scoring in single digits, it's going to be 
tough for him sometimes to right. to realize, especially with some of the numbers guys are putting up this year across the league with the scoring as crazy as it is. Um, but I, I do think, like, when he left Cleveland, people thought he wanted to be the man. And I th- I'm not sure that that was really the case. I think part of it was he wanted to be in a place where everybody's empowered to be the man. Mm-hmm. And that he wasn't just going to be in the shadow of LeBron and that LeBron was going to stop him from growing his game in other ways. And this is part of his growth. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's because he, having come from that situation with LeBron, if he's, if you can sit there and say, well, maybe this is part of him not wanting to be LeBron, like that dominant personality i mean that that that's something i didn't think about that he has seen what it's like to be in a person to to be that type of personality where you're so dominant that everything revolves around you if he didn't like it there and he's having that feeling of like well if i didn't like that there then people wouldn't like that here and if he wants people to like him if that's important to him then why would he be the same exact player that lebron was where he's just dominating everything and just in plus he's not lebron of course, <laughs> that's a big piece of it too. But I mean, these guys all think that they can be that at that level. I mean, they're so it's an interesting, it's an interest, interesting scenario. I, I think that part of the Celtics, as we transition now into the offense being better, somebody had to take a step back. I guess for, you can't have all of these guys trying to get all of their shots at the same time. Like, so, so to have Kyrie say, you know what, these other guys have it going and it was Tice and it was Mook and it, it wasn't the normal guys, but for, for this team to sit there and say, Oh, all right, well, these guys have it going. We're not going to force our own thing. That that's an important step in the, in the progression, not just from Kyrie, but like I said, Tatum and, and Horford didn't score. And when those three guys barely combined for double digits themselves, for for that to manifest itself in a in a monster win where the Celtics clearly look their best, I think it's important that that we have a few guys that are willing to to take a step back when other guys are going. Yeah, and I think that's important too because the Celtics' strength is in their numbers. It, it's not like if you look at their roster, do they have a top ten guy? Do they have a top fifteen guy either? Like you could say. Uh, a few of them, including Gordon Hayward, when he gets healthy, including Kyrie, including Horford, are borderline or close to that. And Tatum's climbing to – looks like he's on a path to climbing toward that level. But they don't have they don't have the top-level guy that some of these other teams do, that the Bucks have with Giannis, that right. guys have with Anthony Davis or Steph Curry. And, and maybe Kyrie is that. Um, but – what really separates the Celtics is that they have five guys who can really, really do damage in the starting lineup, to use the World Series phrase, do damage. <laughs> and then and then they have a bench of starting caliber players. And and that's that's their strength. So if if guys are willing to buy into that and guys are willing to have a three point night and be totally cool with that, then that's that's where they're really gonna grow and flourish. And I think that's part of why they've kind of struggled over the first four or five games is that it is an adjustment for everybody. Like all these guys have been the man. Tatum was the man in college. Tatum was the man in the playoffs last year. Jalen Brown was the man in the playoffs last year. Al Horford's probably not getting as many touches. The ball's not running through him as often as it has in the past. And Gordon Hayward is for the first time playing with so many different threats and still trying to recover 
from the ankle injury. So there's an adjustment period going on with everybody. The only one who hasn't seemed to be adjusting is Mook. Even, <laughs> even though, who is who is suddenly like a selfless basketball yeah. player. Passing, taking the right shots. Like how many how many times has he had that uh, uh taking the shot where we're like, oh Mook, what are you doing? Like barely ever. Yeah. Like this season. I mean, it's early, but I think he actually is – he's – when Mook is buying in – Marcus Morris, Mr. Efficiency, man. <laughs> Just like we all thought. I can't – that's not a thing. That but we, honestly, that's a big – that's a big – huge big, deal. Big evolution for them because when you looked at their roster, one of the things that you thought might hold them back is that guys do get out of character or in character, I guess, in Morris's yeah. – and hijack the offense and take low percentage shots. Morris not doing that is one of those changes that matters. And I don't know how much it matters. I don't know whether it'll be a point or two points per 100 possessions, whatever the case may be, but that matters. Him driving to the hoop and kicking out instead of taking tough mid-range shots, it's it's a tweak that matters. And he's been really, really good so far. Well, I've been, I've been really impressed by his kind of – thought process about the game so far it he's definitely different than he was last year totally totally he's he's taking he has taken a step forward uh it seems and it is huge in the way that when the starters haven't figured it out he's at least been able to come in off the bench and be in and, and be that super important guy that can carry things until brad stevens finds a combination that that will help when he's not on the floor when mook's not on the floor so that's that's been a huge boost for the bench to have him out there doing what he's what he's been able to do. It's it's kept the Celtics pretty close. And as bad as they've looked for some stretches, look, they're they're still they've still pulled through. They managed that comeback against Oklahoma City. Uh and and they're starting to slowly figure it out. To have that one guy who's consistently been good actually is a uh a, a big deal. Uh all of this is uh probably messing with your fantasy teams because you don't know who's going to score what and when you know who knew that marcus morris was going to be super efficient who knew that Kyrie would be settling for three-point games i'm sure some fantasy owners probably sitting there going like no 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 no, no. I, I didn't sign up for this with Kyrie irving that's why you need to listen to the locked on fantasy basketball podcast uh josh lloyd does an amazing job that is i think the most popular podcast on our on our network because it shouldn't be locked on Celtics should be <laughs> well but it's great it's great <laughs> no but it, the thing is, is that every fan of every team listens to locked on fantasy the locked on fantasy basketball podcast because you don't have to be a fan of a particular team so if you need to know who to pick up who to drop maybe there's another Marcus Morris doing something somewhere on another team that you haven't paid attention to Josh Lloyd has that so locked on fantasy basketball search for that where you search for us where you found us it's there it's super popular and it's great and you'll have I guarantee you you'll get an edge in your fantasy league by listening to this regularly so you know who to pick up, who to drop, who's hot, who's not in the NBA. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. 
In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. So today at practice, they kind of surprised us a little bit by dropping a little uh, injury news. Daniel Tice with a slight tear in the right plantar fascia, which sounds bad because he's out indefinitely. But Brad Stevens kind of downplayed how bad it sounded. So Without getting into actual timelines, he made it seem like the timeline might only be a few weeks or at least a few weeks before, before he's reevaluated. Yeah. Either way, not great news, obviously. The one good thing, I guess, for the Celtics is that with Horford moving over to s- starting center, the minutes at center are already slim. Like Tice hasn't been, a, a, hasn't, he hasn't really been a regular um, until Aaron Baines got hurt. So that's the good news is that they still have Baines, who's probable now for Tuesday night after his hamstring injury, and they have Robert Williams, who's looked interesting at least during his brief time on the court. Um, but the the longer he's out, it it puts stress on them. If if they have other injuries that that come along, uh, and Tice Tice, it's it's bad timing because he was just kind of starting to look like himself again. The the Detroit game was by far. His best of this awesome. season. He was great. He was active. He was getting rebounds. He was beating people down the floor. He was doing a lot of Tice things. So tough, tough, tough timing for him. And now he'll be out for probably some number of weeks. Although we don't know exactly what that'll be. Yeah. That, I mean, plantar fascia, plantar fasciitis, that's always such a pain because it's hard It's hard to treat that. It's hard to, to fight that. And when you're, uh, when you're big and you're, I mean, you're running – you run longer distances because you're running baseline to baseline, basically, rather than free throw line to free throw line. So you got a little extra, a few extra steps to take. Just puts that pressure on your foot. It, it's it's a tough thing to deal with, but hopefully it doesn't hold him out too long. The good news is that Aaron Baines, like you said, is coming back, and that Robert Williams has looked pretty good in limited time. Uh, I'm I don't know. I mean. Robert Williams did what he did against the Pistons, but it was like blowout time and it was against their bench. So it's, I'm not exactly expecting him to come in against Andre Drummond and do a lot of different things. But I've been pleasantly surprised by at least the fact that he's trying to do the right things on the floor, that he's he's trying to execute what they're asking him to execute rather than just be 
you know, rather than freelance and just say, okay, I'm a super athlete and I'm just going to go do this. He's he's trying to do the things that they're they're asking him to do. Yeah, I mean, he had three blocks and a monster alley oop the other night, and I thought the, his best play was that little touch pass to Yabu. Oh cutting man, down that was awesome down the lane. Those are the plays that you're like. Okay, he's not just a high flyer. He's he's got the basketball IQ. He's got some instincts for it. Yep. And so he's he's definitely looked interesting so far in his his brief minutes. It wouldn't be the worst thing if they have to long term wise at least if they have to plug him in there and give him some time and and just see what happens. And who knows what will happen? I don't know what will happen. I don't think the Celtics coaches really know what will happen. I'm sure Robert Williams probably doesn't really know what would happen. Um, but it'd be it'd be it, it might be helpful long term, at least, if if he is forced to play some minutes during the next few weeks when Tice is is banged up. Yeah, and look, is they're not forcing him. They're not forcing him in there. They're not putting him in situations where he'll struggle. If they don't think he's ready against certain matchups, then they won't put him in there. They'll just deal with it. They'll go small. They'll you know they've done Shemi Ojale at the five, and uh, you know that's a that's a. Curious situation with Shimmy Ojale, and I don't know what's going to happen with Yabuselli. There's been some questions about Yabuselli because by the time this podcast is out, if it's out Tuesday, it's the 30th. Yabu's uh, option, the team options on the 31st. So that's another little storyline. But if if Robert Williams is already going to get those minutes ahead of those two guys, because those are the two guys that have been looked at to maybe provide what Williams does, or or even provide some of what they wanted from Marcus Morris. At some point, neither has been able to do it. So if Williams is the guy getting those minutes, not only is it, hey, that's great, we got Robert Williams, but that also puts a little bit of a, huh, I wonder what's going to happen with Ojale and Yabu moving forward. Yeah, and obviously money is going to be something that the Celtics want to watch. And, you know, Yabu, his, I think it's 3.1 million dollar option is that. Yeah. Well, and, and he's interesting. He's interesting. He does some some fun stuff. He does fun stuff. The thing with Yabu is that the 3.1 million if you put the luxury tax, if he's the only guy in the luxury tax, you're paying a dollar 50 per per dollar that you're spending on him. So you're paying another 4.5 in change million to in in taxes alone, which makes him a 7 and a half million dollar player essentially. And that's that's a lot of money to just see how he keeps on doing. So with Robert Williams continuing to progress, if they can get him, and I saw them working with his shot and, and working on his jumper, and you had a thing about them working on his jumper on The Athletic. Subscribe to The Athletic for Jay King. Shouts to me. And so they're working on him becoming a bigger, more athletic version of the things that they were asking for from, from Yavaselli and from Shimmy Ojale. You know, it's kind of funny, just the, the luck of the draft where he falls to a point where they could actually draft him at the in the bottom of the first round and it changes the dynamic of two potential potentially two players on their roster who who knows what happens moving forward with those two guys. Ojale you can hold off a little bit on because the contract's not exactly the same just yet. But Yabu, you got a decision to make in the next couple of days. I, I, I would not expect them to pick up that option. I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna do it. Yeah, we'll see. It, it's the Warriors saw something like that last year with uh, Kevon Looney, where they actually declined it, and then he became a starter for them and like played big minutes right. in the playoffs. 
all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, I wish we, <laughs> wish we hadn't declined that one. So there are there are examples of when teams kind of misevaluate their own talent. But yeah, that that that'll be an interesting decision to see what they do with Yabu. Yeah, I mean, look, they they've got they've they're pretty deep and they've got money to spend in other places. What do they do with Daniel Tice? He's a restricted free agent next season, not this season, next season. Tice God. So they, they've got some decisions to make, and money is being spent. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Uh, we want to let you know that if you haven't followed Locked on NBA Net on Twitter, at Locked on NBA Net, that is uh, just this powerhouse Twitter account where all of the Locked on podcast hosts exist. So it's not just me, Jay, and Sam Jam Packard on there. It's it's the podcast host for all of the other NBA podcasts locked on NBA net. You follow them, you're going to get everything. It's going to be basically uh, a full NBA feed on your timeline. And uh, it's you're just going to get a good update for, for everything that's happening in the league. So locked on NBA net, it's going to be all the best content, all the best tweets from all of the locked on podcast hosts. So it's at locked on NBA net search for them uh, on Twitter and, and give them a follow. One thing uh, I thought today, uh, talking to Gordon Hayward, looking going back to that Pistons game, I thought in that Pistons game he looked his best athletically. Like he he wasn't like he didn't go out there and and, and dominate the game, but there were a couple of plays where he was he got the ball on, on the sideline and he actually looked like he hit another gear or a gear that he couldn't hit for the first part of the season. And he was attacking the rim. And he he took some contact and finished through some contact. He took some contact and got back up. And I thought it was interesting today at practice where he said, uh, basically, I'm, I'm starting to remember uh, kind of who I used to be. And I thought that was a telling quote because now he's, he's getting into that next phase of his recovery, not just being a, a basketball player again, but becoming himself again. Gordo is good, <laughs> and Gordo now remembers that he's good, which is good. That's good. <laughs> um, I, I I was really interested by the matchup against the Pistons because that was they're one of the biggest front courts in the league, and mm-hmm. they're one of the best rebounding front courts in the league. And the Celtics, in their first real test against a monster front court, just dominated them. They limited Drummond. They limited Griffin. And their offense was getting free shots everywhere because those guys couldn't guard them. And they, they can't guard Horford. They couldn't guard anybody. And so that was the first time I think we saw the Celtics really show how much of a mismatch they can be as long as they maintain that defense and rebounding against guys like that. Can I just say how awesome that defense was against Blake Griffin? I mean, they... Blake Griffin does two things offensively. He tries to back you down because he's super strong, and then he, he he has a very quick spin move, and they didn't let him bully his way to the basket. They anticipated that spin move, and they defended it very well, and they played it. He was putting up huge monster numbers in the first five games of the season at that point, or four games, and and they just cut that shit off. They said, nope, and they defended him extraordinarily well and without Baines to give up zero offensive rebounds in the first half I mean it was just really exactly what you would have wanted to see from the Celtics defense 
and then their offense is going to be fine. And I don't know what that means, whether it's top 10 by the end of the year, top five by the end of the year. They're going to be able to score points. But if they're able to do that type of job against bigger front courts, everything's going to be fine for them because they can just take advantage of you. And they're going to be faster than you in several positions. They're going to be more athletic than you in a lot of places. And they really did a good job of, of taking advantage of that. And then at the other end, just it didn't matter that they were smaller. They were they were faster and more connected and more talented. And they were just I mean, that was that was really just as impressive by far as they've looked this year and one of the kind of an eye opening performance. Like, oh, okay. That's that's what they're capable of at both ends of the court. Right. That defensively now, again, super small sample size, but defensively now they're the only team, I believe, to have held a, uh, an opponent under 90 twice. Under 90 twice. And they are now one of two teams with a defensive rating. Was it under 100? It's them in Milwaukee. Yep. So that's just, I mean, the thing we were worried about all preseason was where's their defense? Now all of a sudden their defense is back in a huge way. So if they can keep that up and at least, I mean, maybe it's not going to be as good. Who knows? But if they can keep up this level of defensive uh, play, then that offense doesn't need to be that magical thing that we had hoped at the beginning of the year. But it still could become that. But ultimately, they're going to need it to be that magical thing because for them, it's not about winning 55 or 60 games. It's not about anything in the regular season. It's about beating the Bucks or Toronto or mm-hmm. whoever else in the East. And then it's about playing the juggernaut in Golden State. And to beat Golden State, it's not going to be enough to just have a great defense. Right. It's not going to be enough to it, – It's you're going to have to have a hell of an offense. You're going to have to be able to score with those guys because as good as your defense is, you're not going to just stop them. No, that's true. So, that's, that's a fair point. So they, they do need to find some offensive magic. And, again, I don't know what that means, whether it's top five, top ten – I don't know exactly what the number is. Uh, and I do think they're kind of more suited for the playoffs, as weird as that may sound, because they have so many guys who can beat good defense and so many guys who can create um, tough shots. And sometimes that limits them in the regular season because they settle for those tough shots. But in the playoffs, sometimes those tough shots are the only things you can get. And they have a lot of guys who are at least good at that. So we'll see. But the offense is, is definitely coming along. The last three halves have been – just total sunshine compared to the darkness of the first four and a half games. <laughs> That's poetic. I'm beautiful, beautiful poet. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it. Um, good stuff. First, like in person, in season podcast. Yeah, this is huge. This is this big is a big day deal. Day. This is a big deal. Hopefully, we had the quality audio quality that everybody's dying for. Again, apologies for no Monday podcast. That was a complete aberration. In fact, it's on now, me. It's on me. Yeah, it's see, this is a good this is a good teammate. It's on it's on me. Well, it's on both of us. It's on me. That's <laughs> I'm fully accountable. Um, but now now that I'm back, we can record at any time. We're no limitations. So we're we're looking forward to a huge huge season here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. So that means if you're a new listener, first of all, welcome. Second of all, subscribe. We love having new listeners because that just means more people get to bask in our glory 
and Jay King. Like, I gotta. One more thing we gotta do is we gotta Instagram live these things so people can see your awesome hat. This is a terrible hat. No, it's um, a great hat. I hope you wear this at the games. So it's very, very newsies like. Yeah, I'm I'm wearing like the 1850 news. Yeah, newsy type hat. And uh, you look like you could be playing for like the the nineteen uh, the eighteen twenty Chicago White Sox or something. I look like Jack Kelly. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> yes. that reference? Is it a Titanic reference? Newsies reference. Newsies reference. No. Newsies. Newsies is probably the top five movie. Beautiful musical. Yeah, I don't like musicals. It owned my childhood. Really? Um, and so that's why I had to buy this hat when it was three dollars and fifty cents for, <laughs> it, for the newsies aspect of it. It's. I mean, it works for you. It works. If, if any Newsies lovers are out there, it doesn't work. It works. <laughs> I've never watched Newsies. I don't know what. I mean, I know it. I've seen the, the ads for the uh, musical and everything. I did live in New York for a while, so. All right, whatever. You're just not as cultured as I am. That's true. That's the one thing I've always said about about comparing myself to you is I'm not as cultured I'm as such a Jay cultured King. guy. He's just such a cultured, I mean, just a renaissance man, is really. Shouts to the listener, by the way, who was mad that I'm not just a laid back black guy. <laughs> that was a great comment. Well, you've got, I guess you've got like, I don't, what was the comment? Sleepy, sleepy looking. Sleepy, laid back black dude. Yeah. And then he you've saw a picture kind of, voice. of me and was like, the hell, that dude's white. Yeah. I don't it's, like him anymore. Just add him to another person uh, disappointed by seeing a picture of you. <laughs> the long list. Add it to the list. <laughs> all right so if you're not subscribing by now please do subscribe Every, everybody out there who is a subscriber please five star rating good review share the podcast spread the word tell everybody listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.